You shall not take the name of the Lord your God in vain, for the Lord will not hold him guiltless who takes his name in vain. That's the third commandment. And I think almost all of us, when we hear that, realize that the third commandment applies to things like taking God's name irreverently or using it in light and superficial or trivial ways. Or maybe even some of us are aware of the fact that it refers to not swearing O's in God's name uh, lightly or without serious reasons. And that when we do take it, that we actually do follow through and keep our word. But tonight, as we continue on in our exposition of the third commandment, we're going to show you the third commandment applies even to what we think about God, what we believe about God, and how we use the word of God. So stay tuned with us tonight on Sinners and Saints as we study the third commandment. In an age of moral bankruptcy, political sleaze, theological confusion, and aimless religion in a mindless church, we're addressing the need for a Bible-based, intellectually rigorous, 21st century Christian faith. This is Sinners and Saints. Theology with an Edge. Welcome to Sinners and Saints tonight. We're glad you're with us. We continue on in our series on the Ten Commandments. Last week we took on the first part of our study of the Third Commandment. We're going to continue on talking about its various applications. As we already noted here, we're going to deal uh, at some length with how the Third Commandment applies to the whole topic of heresy and false doctrine and using God's Word in, in proper ways. As usual, joining us for our discussion is Reverend Adam Kalushner from Ontario United Reformed Church and Reverend Moses Janbazian from Pasadena URC. And I'm Pastor John Sautel, pastor of the All Saints Reformed Church, church plan out in Walnut. So let's start our discussion. We've already read the third commandment, which refers to taking the, names, uh, the name of the Lord in vain. And uh, we said that it refers not just to irreverent superficial uses of God's name or uh, improper oath-taking, but now here, the very way in which we think about God. In other words, the third commandment applies to true and false doctrine. It applies to getting the truth right, and that it's a sin, it's immoral, it's a violation of God's law to misunderstand his word and to teach false doctrine. Yeah, I want to start by taking you to Ephesians 4.14 says that we should no longer be children tossed to and fro and carried about with every wind of doctrine by the trickery of men in the cunning craftiness by which they lie in wait to deceive. But speaking the truth in love, we may grow up in all things into him who is the head that is Christ. Now think about that for a minute. We are being called by God to think about him rightly. That means we don't just take every thought that we hear about God spoken out on the radio or from a Bible teacher or whatever to be truth. We only accept that which is true from his word and that we may then speak the truth and believe that about Christ. Okay, there's a lot of people that are going to say, yeah, that's right. That's out of the scriptures, out of the New Testament, right out of Paul. Uh, We're not to uh, be guided by false teachers or believe false things. But what most people are probably missing here is the connection between the third commandment and this idea of false doctrine. So how do we sort of draw that out? Well, remember, I want to take you back to the meaning of the commandment itself. Specifically, the commandment is forbidding taking bad oaths or dishonest oaths in the name of the Lord your God or trivial oaths. 
But remember, just like with the second commandment where it forbade a specific kind of false worship idolatry, it was pointing to a broader principle that all of your worship of God must be pure and appointed. In this commandment, he's forbidding bad oaths, but the broader principle is that you always use the name and the character of God with due reverence. Yeah, when it says don't take the name of the Lord your God in vain, it is saying that you are not to utilize the idea, the thought of who God is, and then put into it your own thoughts. Rather, God must be defined by the scriptures as he has defined himself. And so when you have false views about God, you are violating this commandment. Right. His name represents all of who he is and his character, you see. The Westminster uh, Larger Catechism, number 112, says that the third commandment requires that the name of God, his titles, attributes, ordinances, words, sacraments, prayer, oaths, vows, lots, works, whatever else, and whereby he makes himself known, be holy and reverently used. See, it, it has this vast... Uh, encompassing application because the name of God is God. It represents all who he is, his attributes, his titles, his works, his person, his word. So it has this huge, broad application. So certainly it applies to this area of false doctrine. Yeah, and John, I want to bring us back to the idea that we started in the series on the Ten Commandments of, of remembering the uses of the law. And this is one law that if you understand that it's forbidding false thinking about God and false speaking about God and false doctrine will be very convicting to us, should be very convicting, especially those of us who are interested in studying the Scripture, reading theology, and the rest of it, because we, we are being called by God to think of Him rightly and purely, not to fall after vain speculations. And that is a very humbling reminder to us when we consider that we have trouble sometimes getting things right. Now, just to show you that the scripture itself makes this connection, I'm going to take you back to the word of God, Leviticus chapter 24, beginning at verse 13. Then the Lord said to Moses, take the blasphemer outside the camp. All those who heard him are to lay their hands on his head. The entire assembly is to stone him. Say to the Israelites, if anyone curses his God, he will be held responsible. Anyone who blasphemes the name of the Lord must be put to death. So the scriptures are making this application of the third commandment to blaspheming, saying uh, unbiblical, unlawful, ungodly things about God. And we have to be very careful about how we define blaspheming because unfortunately this is one thing that people have defined too narrowly now. Whereas blaspheming is basically saying anything false about God, any lies about him. And so it's not simply that someone is cursing using the name of God or saying something deliberately false about God. It's even when they are sincere about it, but they are wrong. It's still blaspheming his name. And so that's why we say this has a lot of implication for how you will live your life because it will affect who you listen to and where you worship. That's right. 1 Timothy 4.1, Paul's writing to the minister Timothy, and he says, In latter times, some will depart from the faith, giving heed to deceiving spirits and the doctrines of demons. Listen, false thinking and teaching about God is demonic. That's how serious it is. Okay, that's a very important point. We want to come back to it after the break. Stay tuned with us tonight on Sinners and Saints. This is Sinners and Saints, theology with an edge. Are you looking for a church that values the Word of God and the rediscovery of its riches in the Protestant Reformation? Hi, I'm Pastor Adam Kalusti, and I want to invite you to join us at the Ontario United Reformed Church. We worship on Sundays at 10 a.m. and 5.30 p.m. Take the Euclid Avenue exit off the 60 freeway, go north one block to Philadelphia Street, turn right, and you'll see us. That's the Ontario United Reformed Church 
866-99-UNITED. There is no greater joy in the Christian's life than to worship God according to his word, and there is nowhere better in the San Gabriel Valley to do this than at the Pasadena United Reformed Church. So come join us this Sunday at 9 a.m. and at 6 p.m. at 226 West Colorado Boulevard in Arcadia. You can call us at 866-99-UNITED or look us up on the web at sinnersaint.org. Okay, thanks for sticking with us here tonight on Sinners and Saints. After the break, we said uh, when we wrapped up the last segment, we're going to try to pick up on this issue of false doctrine. And uh, Adam, you were working with a passage of the New Testament, 1 Timothy chapter 4, and the demonic aspect of false doctrine. Let's go ahead and expound on that passage a moment here. Yeah, I just uh, I brought it up to make the, the basic point that our, our thinking about who God is, our basic beliefs, our doctrines that we hold, keeping those correct is a matter of biblical worship. And to follow after false ideas or to be wrong about who God is and what he does and the way in which he does it is actually to follow demonic teaching. I don't think people generally in our culture are interested in what you guys think. They don't generally think of doctrine and theology as that significant. It's sort of secondary. Oh, definitely. Because most people today, they're just content as long as somebody says, I recognize that I'm a sinner and I need Jesus. And then they don't want it defined any further than that because as soon as you do, then you wind up with all the divisions that have caused all the denominations. But they're not understanding. No, it is very significant and important to talk about and to come to the right conclusion from Scripture. And, and let's not just uh, ascribe this to the contemporary denominational situation. I, I keep hearing people doing that. Well, there's just all this division today in the Christian church because we have all these denominations, because all of you guys believe you have your own little creed or your own little doctrine. Well, that's not true. At the very end of the apostolic era, here is the Apostle Paul in the pastoral epistles taking on this problem because already within 30 to 40 years of the death, the resurrection, ascension of Christ, the church is already being fragmented and fractured and, and split apart over doctrine. And it's to be expected because this is God's kingdom and it is taking on the kingdoms of this world which are under the rule of the devil. And so of course there's going to be opposition. Of course there's going to be false teaching. The devil will do everything possible and his number one tactic is to masquerade as an angel of light, and he will bring false doctrine in this way. For instance, Paul says, Second uh, Timothy chapter 4, he says, um, Preach the word, be prepared in season and out of season, correct, rebuke, and encourage with great patience and careful instruction. For the time will come when men will not put up with sound doctrine. Instead, to suit their own desires, they will gather around them a great number of teachers to say what their itching ears want to hear. You see, th- the problem is that is that this the sin in the heart of men they they don't want to hear the truth of God they don't want to uphold the holy name of God they want to think about themselves and and what pleases and satisfies and gratifies them and, and this is as old as the church is and yet Christians are called to vindicate the glory of God's name and uphold it by professing what is true about him not what we like and personally desire now let, let me get down to the brass tacks here what real practical about what that means for those that are listening to the show tonight okay there are some of you and i'm especially thinking of those of you who have grown in the grace and knowledge of the lord jesus who have learned increasingly about what it means to be saved maybe through radio shows like ours or dr rc sproul or the white horse inn or you've come into contact with reformed preaching and teaching but you sit in churches where the the teachers of that church do not agree with those things 
Or maybe they agree with something like the five points of Calvinism, but they haven't been studied in the history of church and the broader depth of biblical teaching, which we call now Reformed theology, maybe summarized in the three forms of unity you've been hearing about on the show. And you sit around and you tolerate that. And we say you are being a party to taking the Lord's name in vain. Okay, hold on a second, Adam, because I think I'm understanding what you're saying. If I'm tracking with it, go ahead and and just let me know. It sounds to me like you're saying that I'm violating the third commandment if I say, yes, I've come to a, a more full biblical knowledge of the truth from the Scripture, and I confess it and I believe it as it is summarized in the Reformed faith, but yet, for personal preferences or desires or whatever, selfishness, I stay in the same church that I've been in that preaches the exact opposite of the truth as it's revealed in the Word of God. You're saying, I'm breaking and violating the third commandment if I do that. Yes, I am. And I don't care about, uh, you know, what supposed greater good reasons you come up with. For example, I, I'm going to be the one that brings the true message to all these people and whatever. And I want to show you why I'm saying this from the Scripture. James chapter 3, verse 1. My brothers, let not many of you become teachers, knowing that we shall receive a stricter judgment. For we all stumble in many things. If anyone does not stumble in word, he is a perfect man, able also to bridle the whole body. Now what you're saying is, supposedly you're sitting in a church where you know that things that are wrong are being taught from the Scripture, supposedly, in the name of the Scripture. And if you are sitting there and tolerating that, you are supporting, you are becoming a party to these so-called teachers taking the Lord's name in vain. They are not bridling their tongue. They are not trained in the Scripture to speak the truth, to edify God's people. And you're being a party to it. Well, let me take that a different angle. Okay, if that's a valid application, and James 3 comes into the picture here in terms of be not many masters, be careful what you say because we shall uh, receive the greater condemnation. What about also, if we're going to apply this to a personal practical level, what about all these people out there who uh, just assume that they have the gifts to teach? And so they sign up at the top of the list for every teaching opportunity that comes up in the church because, after all, they've been uh, gifted and they just have to use this gift so they can bless everybody. Are they, too, in this position here of violating the third commandment because they're uh, vainly and lightly taking the name of the Lord up when they don't even know what they're talking about and they're misrepresenting him? Well, first, from James, I would say that people should actually be very scared to teach, and if they can avoid teaching, they should, because they're being warned. We're all being warned, don't take this lightly. God will not tolerate false things being said about him. And so one of the reasons as ministers we've been trained is in order that we don't go into the minefield of bad theology and kill ourselves. Let me defend this idea that we're talking about from 1 Timothy uh, chapter 1, verse 3. Paul's writing to Timothy, he says, Remain in Ephesus that you may charge some that they teach no other doctrine, because it speaks of these teachers. Uh, they have strayed from the truth. They've turned aside idle talk, and they desire to be teachers of the law, but they don't understand what they're saying nor the things which they affirm. And yet somehow we think, well, it's just okay for me to kind of prop myself up without the proper training in the good and sound doctrine of the apostles as has been proclaimed in the, the Catholic Church, small c, the historic Protestant church, as we call it today, the Reformed churches, that we can just go along in this or go along with those teachers and it's acceptable to God. No, that's taking the Lord's name in vain. It's spiritually dangerous to want to run around using your little spiritual gift of teaching when you have no idea what you're talking about, when you have not been thoroughly trained. Paul commands Timothy that we are to be uh, rightly dividing the word of truth. Workmen not ashamed, and it's shameful and dishonoring to God 
when we transgress this commandment by dishonoring the name of the Lord, by saying things that are, are not true, and they are inaccurate according to his word. When we come back after the break, we're going to talk about one more application of this third commandment. So stay tuned with us tonight on Sinners and Saints. Americans are known for their independence and self-reliance. We take little stock in other people's opinions. Americans want to examine and form our own conclusions about everything, and if something isn't to our liking, we'll fix it. These characteristics have served us well in casting off monarchies and taming the wild frontier. But are they really the best qualities for building Christ's church? At Grace Evangelical Church, we think one thing our culture doesn't need to reinvent are the tried and tested truths of Orthodox Christianity. We take delight in the faith of our fathers, in the biblical truths captured by the three forms of unity. We believe the truths of the Reformation gospel of justification by faith alone are the only solution for the multitude of problems that face America today. We invite you to come worship with us at Grace Evangelical Church. For more information, you may contact us at area code 310-782-7019. That's 310-782-7019. Hey, thanks for staying tuned with us tonight here on Sinners and Saints. Uh, as I said, we came back after the last break that we were going to continue on to apply this third commandment. And this is not so much an application of the third commandment to you, but we just wanted to take a moment to say, you know, we appreciate you listening. And uh, we invite you to check out our website, sinnersaint.org. That's sinnersaint.org. And uh, just go ahead and tour the website. And also, we just want to call your attention to the fact that on there, if you'd like to make a donation to this show, and we remind you, it is a listener-supported radio broadcast, uh, that if you're profiting from it and you'd like to support it, go ahead and, and visit the, the place on the website where you can make a donation to Sinners and Saints. Yeah, I want to say, too, a number of you uh, out there listening have uh, been visiting the churches, and we're very excited to be meeting you. And want to encourage others of you who have not yet to visit us. You know, we got this church plant starting up in the city of Walnut, and... Uh, Pastina URC is there, the Ontario URC. Go to the website, click through, or call us at 866-99-UNITED. Come and visit us. We'd be glad to meet you and talk with you about the things uh, that you've been hearing. Okay, so we're done with our infomercial. Back to the third commandment here. Um, One more application of the third commandment you might not have thought of, and I'm taking this from the Westminster Larger Catechism, number 113, where it talks about the misuses of God's name, and this is a very interesting application, but uh, an important one for us to consider when it it lists violations of the third commandment, misuses of God's name as curious prying into or misapplying of God's decrees and providences, and this has a, man, just a tremendous significance and broad applications for us, but, but at bottom line, what it's saying is that you're violating this commandment when you pry into the decrees of God and try to discover things that uh, are hidden to you. There's a number of ways people do this. For instance... Well, let's talk about one. uh, Struggling with the assurance of my salvation. You know, there are some people who they've been convicted from the law of God how sinful they are, and they've learned that Christ has worked to save sinners, but they have this incessant struggle with coming to the knowledge that they are actually saved. And the problem is that they don't seem to have any sort of divine indication that they're saved. They never got some vision or had some experience that they're looking to that maybe they've heard other people speak about. And so therefore they conclude that they're not on that divine list of election. Whereas we are saying, listen, Christ says in his word, all who come to me, I will by no means cast out. 
Now, if I cast myself upon Christ, acknowledging my sin and beg him for mercy, then I know that his promise will not fail because he says that all who come to me, I will by no means cast out. In fact, I will raise him up at the last day. And therefore, we ought to be satisfied with this promise and not speculate that we need more information or whatever, but have the assurance of our salvation because we find ourselves in him. Don't take his name in vain by doubting his promise, you see. see. It's not a sin to struggle with, uh, with whether you're saved or not. The sin is in the curious prying into, am I in or am I out? Am I elect or am I... Re- that's, that's not the way to go about it. As Pastor Adam is saying here, is that you, you don't look at what's secret, you look at what's revealed. You look at Christ and his promises in the gospel, and, and you apply those to yourself and receive them by faith. So we, this is a curious prying into, but then there's also a misuse of the name of the Lord by questioning his providences. Uh, the, it's, the, it's the why me, Lord, thing. Um, now, to a certain extent, that's probably legitimate to lament and to throw up your concerns before the Lord. But, but when it gets beyond that to a faithless prying into, why is this happening to me? Then we're sinning against God. Yeah, you'll often wind up with people uh, basically seeking cause and effect for everything that happens, believing that they will somehow know. But you look at the Old Testament record that God has given to us, and you can see for generations he tolerated sin. And they were allowed to remain in the land, even though they had no right to. But it was because he was patient. So we can't say that, oh, well, good things happened to me today. Therefore, I must have been doing good things that warranted a reward or a bad thing happened. I wonder what caused it. And you usually will do this for others. You see somebody gets cancer. Somebody has a car wreck. Oh, I wonder what they did that God made them go through this event. Rather, we have to say no. It is not for us to know the hidden things of God, rather the revealed things. We are to glory in him, thank him for what we have, persevere in trial, but always in all things seek that which we know to be true, what God has actually said. Yeah, let me speak to one that just frankly annoys me very much that I see a lot in churches. People, you know, they think they have some special insight into why God is doing certain things in their life a certain way. So, you know, everything that happens in their life, they have to figure out what God is trying to teach them. You know, I often stop these people and I ask them, listen, you don't know the mind of God. He hasn't revealed to you why he did this in your life, why he did that in your life. You know and trust that he loves you and does all things for your good. But that doesn't mean that you know what that good is and how he is showing you the love. Yeah, or to take that a different direction, kind of the same vein here is, hey, great things have been happening to me, so I must have been given the divine uh, blueprint for how to have a, a wonderful, great life. So I'll write a big book on, on how to organize your life with purpose or whatever because I've been thoroughly blessed. I have all these monetary blessings, a big building full of people, so I must now have the secrets of God's will for how to succeed. That's silly. That's a curious prying into the will of God. You should be thankful the Lord has blessed you in this way, and, and don't be pompous about it. Yeah, don't make it the the standard for everybody else. You start adding to the law. Maybe the Lord has blessed you in your personal relationship or something, so now you come up with all of the secrets of how to live this way, and that's <laughs> God's way. No, God's secrets that he wants us to know are already revealed in the world. They're, they're not secrets, you see. I don't need you to tell me how to do it. So, Lau, let's look back on this a minute. We've been through two shows on the third commandment. What's it all about? The third commandment is, in a nutshell, this. Honor God's name by thinking about him, confessing him, and using his name in a way that pleases him. 
We should not use his name lightly or trivially. We should not uh, make needless, irrational, rashless oaths. But we should trust in the name of the Lord. We should use his name when it's permissible, and then in cases to vindicate his honor and glory or to edify our neighbor. That's what it is to keep the third commandment. And by God's grace, through the power of his Holy Spirit, we pray that we'll be able to do that and so glorify God. We want to thank you for joining us tonight on Sinners and Saints. And, and by the way, if you want to get in touch with us, call us at 866-99-UNITED. That's 866-99-UNITED. Join us next week as we tackle more topics with the truth of God's Word on Sinners and Saints, Theology with an Edge. For more information, call 866-99-UNITED or log on to the web at urcsocal.org. That's 866-99-UNITED.